Welcome to the GNO podcast. There are a lot of beliefs, opinions, and values out there, and nailing down yours can be tricky. Join us as we explore and discuss a variety of topics to help us figure out who we are, decide who we want to become, and learn how to best support each other along the way. Hey guys, and welcome back to the GNO podcast. Also, I do want to put this in there because I got a question about this. GNO stands for Girls Night yes. Out. Yes. So many people ask that yes. question. Wait. Yes. Yes. Literally, I got that question several times oh and I was gosh. like, oh, was that not clear? So, in case you didn't hear it until now, whatever episode we're on, GNO <clears throat> stands for Girls Night Out, which is what we have. Yeah. Yes. Three women here. Yeah. We, we do Girls Night there's Out. There's even a, uh, I'm pretty sure there's a Miley Cyrus song that's like, let's go. Gino, let's go. Oh yeah, my that gosh. sounds familiar. That could be our bumper right. music. Is that Miley Cyrus? Shoot. I don't know, but that is a familiar song to me. I've not. And by Miley, I mean maybe Hannah Montana. It's fine. I've seen a few. Oh, episodes. that too. One in the same. One in the same. I didn't realize that was her. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a great. I'm glad you should. I that. just thought of it as we <laughs> hit record because honestly, I got several questions about it. So, yeah. Need to clear the air. Yeah. GNO. Speaking of clearing the air. Speaking of clearing the air. <laughs> that was such a great segue. <laughs> we were laughing before we started recording about the thing that so, – so we actually just finished recording. I don't know if Catherine wants me to tell you this. Um, but we just finished recording the second half of the assumptions episode. And in that, I referenced uh, <laughs> something that I would talk about later about Catherine. <laughs> and so we were laughing about it, as we often do. The first time I met Catherine – well, I mean, it wasn't the first time because actually our my mother – dated her father before like in high school slash college um so apparently we met a long time ago before you were even thought of before we were thought of yeah Yeah. but anyways so she was wearing it was like the first day at work where we met and she was wearing this long (laughs) cotton skirt and i our parents went to a very conservative Christian college. Let me just say that. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't know what Ward's been doing with his daughters (laughs) the last whatever. My mom went to that school. Oh Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Yes. Okay. Well, I didn't know that at the time. So I was like, I was like, I don't know what kind of weird, like no pants situation is going on in that family. (laughs) Oh gosh. The opposite. No pants for women. Anyways. So I thought, uh, yeah, I was like, maybe I just assumed like Catherine doesn't wear pants. Like she just wears long, long skirts. And then the second day she showed up in like a short dress, like not a short dress, but like, you know, knee length, whatever. And I was like, okay. This is not how I remember the story. I'm going to retell it. No, wait, this is how I remember (laughs) though. Because she was like, I thought it was against your religion. Uh, I thought it was against your religion. Wear pants. Back up. I think it was Olivia's first day. We walked it downtown was. to a restaurant for lunch. Yes. I'm wearing this skirt. It's very hot outside <gasps> that day. And I said yes. something about, man, I need to get more 
like long dresses or skirts yes, for the summer. Yes, that was it. Referencing, I have- <laughs> She needed more. I have really long legs and I have like no torso. So for me, <laughs> like every dress, and I'm tall. So every dress that like looks good on you, Olivia, who's 5'2", what are you, 5'2", 5'3"? 5'2". 5'2", maybe. So looks good on her. It's like coming all the way up on me. And so that's what top. I meant. <laughs> By long dresses and skirts. What Olivia took it as is it's against my religion. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> it's like, man, I just need to get more long, <laughs> not skirts. long skirts and dresses, which is not even true. Oh That's man, hilarious. oh yes. man, I remember so. that day too. She was like, I thought it was against I, her religion. Yeah. I was like, her religion. I'm like, what does that like, even mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know some people. Like really do actually no, yeah, but yeah, like what does that mean in reference you do, to yeah. me? As you're wearing like an old navy when, maxi skirt, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also like. Were we talking about religion? Like, I no. like, just, where did that come from? You know what I, like, I mean? Took it yeah, yeah. She assumed. She did. Going back to assumptions. I made so and many she horrible made me feel so much shame. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stop it. I'm done. But oh, speaking of shame, that is our topic. That is today. our topic. So I had to throw that in there. So this is probably the most laughter you're going to hear in this entire episode. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, wow. to Debbie Downer. But yes, shame. And we kind of reference shame a little bit in the last episode which was kind of a segue too but um want to talk about shame and kind of define shame and we actually all kind of just took some time to think through and process and even do some research of our own of what is shame how do you define shame what does that look like being a, a female and feeling shame so i wanted to kick us off and reference an article that we will link in our show notes for you and it's called, it has a very long title. It's called, Let's Talk About Shame, Part 1, colon, Women and the Hustle for Worthiness. So the, the title is about as long as the article. But in it, there were some really good points. And so the first one, and I want you guys to weigh in on, weigh in on this too, just kind of defining shame. So I really like this definition, and it's really simple. But shame is the feeling that something is wrong with you. So this feeling that you're taking on that something's wrong with you. And I thought that was profound yet really simple. Yeah. And the I read several articles about shame and have saved one of them, but all of them had a theme of shame being feeling something bad about ourselves mm -hmm. rather than an action. Mm -hmm. um, it's like something is wrong with <clears throat> you, not you did something wrong. And I think that that's what that's saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Another definition that I read of shame said that a painful, it's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's right on the money. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. With what your, how your article stated it. Yeah. And did you guys see in some of the articles you read, like to talk about the difference between shame and guilt? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Speak to it, Court. What did you find? Well, that was probably like the heaviest part. And it said, you know, in the article that I read, which also I will link in the show notes, <laughs> but it stated that, you know, they're so often misinterpreted because both of them involve self-evaluation. Mm. Okay. And so... Guilt is about our behavior, while shame is more about, you know, who we are. Mm. And so if people feel guilty about things, they're like, oh, I did something bad, mm. you know, oh, I feel that. 
Whereas shame is like, man, I am bad. Right. Like, as a person, yeah. who I am is yeah. is not good. Right. right? Mm. And that goes back to what you said, Liv, about like the action versus the feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's it's a lot easier to recover from something. And we'll go into this probably further in the episode, but like it's a lot easier to recover from an action than like who you are mm-hmm. as a person, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, it's very overwhelming when it's when you're evaluating like who you are and everything that you think, feel, and and believe mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. rather than, oh, I made a mistake. And right. I think that so uh, – like there's such an anti-shaming culture to where mm. we don't want to even – like it's either like all shame or it's like – like we miss guilt sometimes in that where it's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're just saying like there was something wrong that someone – did mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not saying like you're a horrible person yeah, yeah, you did something wrong not to say that there aren't like just pretty horrible people but <laughs> um because if you do too many things wrong you're done <laughs> but yeah. yeah mine also said like the article i had also talked about how you know when we label ourselves fully as bad or not good or a liar or things like that we're more likely to keep quiet and keep mm. feeding into these like Mm self-destructive behaviors Mm -hmm. um, that pour into those labels that we've already kind of placed on ourselves. Right. Yeah. And so I thought that was really, really Mm -hmm. interesting. So I, I mean, I feel like I've done that even subconsciously. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's like an internal thing. Pretty much shame is. And the article I was reading said this, that shame is a primary destructive engine behind a lot of mental health problems such as anxiety, depression, mm. eating disorders, addiction. Like I it's a driving engine behind those and mm. it's like an internal process mm. most often, which is really interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and the the article that I was reading talked about like narcissism mm. and it referenced narcissists and how they have a very high capacity for shame because they they feel everything about themselves, but they have no capacity for guilt because another big difference is, yes, it's about your actions, guilt is, but it's also about the ways you see it hurting others. Hmm. And narcissists have no capacity for guilt because they can't understand the way that it impacts others and it like they might not care. Yeah, nor do they care. Nor like <laughs> yeah. they don't care. Yeah. Right, right, right. They don't care. Um, which I'm not a mental health professional. Let me say that. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Like feeling guilty about something, it's mostly it instead of shame saying, like, oh, I'm so sorry I hurt you. I'm a terrible person. It's like, I am so sorry I hurt you. Right. I'm sorry you are hurting mm. because of something I did, and that being the emphasis. That's good. And then something else that I read that I found interesting is talking about how women and men experience shame in different ways that are really tied to our cultural expectations about gender roles. Mm. So an example, and the wonderful words of Brene Brown, she talks about how women feel the pressure to do it all and do it perfectly and never let them see you sweat. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense that perfectionism is one of the most common responses to shame by women. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of manifested by this constant striving to fulfill unrealistic and competing ideals of being the perfect mother, wife, businesswoman, friend, caregiver, student, you know, all the things have the perfect body, perfect home, perfect Mm -hmm. kids. And that just really struck me because I feel like perfectionism is deeply embedded into women's perception Mm -hmm. of themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That is really good. And did it talk like, what were the ways that men experienced it? 
Yeah, I I think it didn't like talk about that as much because the article was about oh, women, yeah. but oh, okay. um, I think just that like kind of the contrast of like men don't really think about that. Like perfectionism mm. isn't like something that they're probably downing on themselves or thinking through mm. where it where it is for women. Mm. Um, so it kind of just like gave that comparison. But that'd be an interesting thing to look at is like how do men experience it or how's it manifested maybe outwardly? Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and I I think that this distinction of guilt versus shame, like that that was the easiest thing for me to wrap my mind around um, when you were comparing shame to guilt. And I think mm-hmm. that for me, like I have a really hard time owning if I've messed up to something and like I just want to run away from things. And it's not because I feel bad about the way that I've hurt other people. If I'm just being really real, it's about how I think other people are going to view me. Mm-hmm. And like like I do this in, in just different aspects of my life, definitely in my marriage. I mean, that's the easiest thing to point to because it's like the closest relationship I have. Mm-hmm. But instead of sometimes being like, I'm so sorry, Matthew, like what can I do? Like I, you know, I, I care about you. I'll, I'll be like, oh. I'm a horrible person. I suck as a <laughs> wife. I don't necessarily say that, but but I'll care more about me mm-hmm. and instead of caring about like the hurt that I've caused him or the hurt that I maybe have caused like a family member or um, even someone at work. And it really, I feel like it, it keeps me pretty stagnant sometimes mm-hmm. because it doesn't actually address the actual problem and the person doesn't feel any better. And sometimes they're taking care of me. Because I'm just sitting there in shame, feeling bad about myself. And it's like, oh, well, you don't need to feel bad about it. You know, like it's Mm -hmm. so backwards. Yeah. I think for me, it's interesting as I was kind of processing this topic of shame. Like when I first thought about how do I see it kind of impacting me, I was kind of like, I don't know that it does a whole lot. Like I I just struggled to think about Mm -hmm. like, okay, in what times do I feel shame? And like, how does that come across? And I was kind of struggling and even reading through some of these articles and stuff too and learning more about shame. I was like, I can't like relate to that or I'm I'm not Mm. sure about that. I do though relate to just kind of like having it all together and really just like wanting to get it all done. Like, okay, I want to like get all these things in motion. I want to get them all done. I want to like hit all these things in a day. And just I've talked before about I have a lot of like energy to get things done. And so sometimes if I don't, then maybe, but I think the word I would use would be frustrated, not like shameful. Hmm. But then when I thought about it a little bit more, I think that the shame comes out when it comes out in anxiety. So like if I get really like stressed or anxious about something, I can kind of link it back to Oh, like I'm experiencing shame on this or that or whatever mm. the topic is or the mm. situation mm. Um, or the conversation or whatever that is. But I think like that's how I see it kind of manifesting in myself is anxiety, which I don't feel very often. There's time in my life where I had like an onset of anxiety and panic attacks and it was a learning experience. And I think from then on, I've I've kind of learned how to control that a little bit better. And I think with that, recognize like, okay, I don't need to like feel, if it is shame, I don't need to feel shame in this area or in that and, and being able to like move forward from that. So mm-hmm. I know that's kind of different, but <laughs> that was like my thought process thinking through um, how shame impacts me. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I think that even with you just sharing that though, Kat, it made me think about, you know, and you're like, okay, I saw it play out with anxiety Mm -hmm. more so for you. Right. Mm -hmm. That made me think, I was like, man, how else does it play out for me? Because I, you know, easily I would think for me, I'm like, oh, I withdraw. I want to retreat. It kind of just creates this great fear within me and it kind of paralyzes me from pressing in Mm -hmm. or moving forward with whatever act, you know, if it's an activity or whatever, Mm -hmm. or if it's with people. And I think before I feel shame, sometimes I get defensive, Mm -hmm. you know? And so as you, as you're saying, you know, like, Hey, I've seen it play out with anxiety for Mm -hmm. me. I'm like, shoot, I get defensive. Mm -hmm. And I don't even realize that like that is a part of it. And, you know, when I feel shame, it has the ability to just impact me for like days, y'all. Mm-hmm. It'll like, I carry it with me. There's no mm-hmm. turning that on. I'm tapping out for a moment. <laughs> you know, I'll be right back, shame. I'll pick you back up in a second. <laughs> like, no, that it is with me and it travels with me into every facet of my life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I can feel down in other places mm-hmm. and in areas that I'm engaging in that nothing shameful has happened, mm-hmm. right? But I'm still over here carrying and bringing whatever happened in a conversation with people, that sort of thing. And so it almost plagues me Mm -hmm. until I, you know, forgive myself or really take time to process it. Yeah. Yeah. It like controls your interactions with other people Mm. and how you respond and how you feel in other situations because you're still like in that shame cycle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I've totally experienced that when you're just – in your mind. I remember when I was younger and I would be really shy around certain groups of people and I still probably do that now. But now I'm thinking like, oh, that could have been shame in a lot of ways because it – and just thinking about like myself and like, oh, people are going to think this about me. And and I mean, I definitely do that now that I'm thinking about it when you're only thinking about how people are going to perceive everything you say and not thinking about like on the surface, what's actually being said, what's happening, like thinking about what other people are saying. It's just thinking about what am I going to say to what they're saying so that I sound smart or I, you know, like, Mm -hmm. because really they're going to find out that I'm not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's like almost like the great fear of like, oh my gosh, they're going to find out the truth. Yeah. Do you guys feel like there's certain areas of your life that exude more shame? I don't know if exude is the right word, Mm. but you know, like court, if you're, if you're taking that in to days later, like what are those trigger points for you like that you'd care to share? Yeah, that's good. I feel like one of the areas in my life where I feel the most shame, uh, oftentimes or the easiest is actually in relationships, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly friendships. Mm -hmm. I think that I sometimes feel like I maybe know a person really well, Mm -hmm. or I don't know, or if we have a discordance or something like that, I take it so deeply, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you guys have even seen this in action with me before. I think about one in particular, you know, with Catherine specifically, I, long story short, y'all, I thought maybe their dog had accidentally gotten pregnant. (laughs) Okay. I was, I was dog sitting (laughs) their dog, right? And let her go out to the restroom. I'm bringing in food from Thanksgiving. It's fine. I'm into the house. I'm yelling for Granger to come in the house. And, (laughs) you know, there was some dirt on her back as if she had maybe been mounted. I don't know. Whatever. 
with the neighbor's mutt, right? Yeah. yeah. And Catherine and Dalton have been waiting to like breed her and all these things. And I felt horrible. <laughs> when I tell you all, I was like, I'm a horrible person. Like, I am the worst friend. I'm the worst dog sitter. I was like, ready to leave their house key and a note that said, it was nice being your friend. Have a great life. Like, I'm so serious. And I, it seems really silly, right? To some people. And you're listening and you're like, Courtney, that's dramatic. Well, I'm a dramatic person. Okay. So if you don't know that yet, you heard it here. I am. And I know that about myself. But I truthfully was like, gosh, I felt just so much immense shame, you know, of like, I let her down. I'm a failure as a person. This is why in friendships, you know, I just saw it playing out in all these mm-hmm. different areas. And so I think that that's probably been the most common is I take a lot of things on uh, within my friendships. And, you know, I love my people dearly. And I don't know if I always communicate that mm-hmm. in the best way. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I can take that guilt and quickly confuse it with shame or mm-hmm. make it move into that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was not pregnant. The dog was not pregnant. Oh, yes. She was good. All is well. It's the only reason why we're sitting here okay. today oh, recording the podcast and we're still friends is also, because she wasn't pregnant. The dog was gone for like two minutes and just maybe like an educational piece for our listeners out there. <laughs> it takes much longer than that for dogs to be impregnated. So you now know. Yes. Because you tried. I do know because currently at home I have nine puppies from my yes. beautiful mama, Granger. Yeah. Granger. Not from this situation. Not from the situation. That was several years ago. But from a, what's the word, purposeful situation where we bred her. Intentional. 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 Purposeful. I don't know. That's where I was like, a meetup at the park. She went Uh, to go meet Peter at the park. This is an intentional hookup. Yes. Intentional (laughs) with the dog of her same breed. And the puppies are adorable. So there's a little (laughs) plug in case you're wondering about. Dog intercourse. Okay. <laughs> this is also a dog intercourse podcast. We're digressing. We're digressing. Oh, We're going to bring it back. What about you guys? Yeah. <laughs> what are some areas? I would say I feel it a mild amount in probably all areas. Just an easy, funny one that everyone can relate to is my text messages. What? When I like go through Ooh. all the blue dots, all the oh, blue yeah. dots of un- un- yes. unread, yeah. unresponded I to. I can't relate. I saw the funniest thing. Oh, I saw the funniest thing on Instagram a few days ago. It was something like, I'm going to totally butcher it. But it was like, I'm so sorry. I haven't talked to you in like five months. I saw your text message. And I just like, I just didn't respond like by choice for, you know, five months. And then I felt a pang of shame every time I saw your name pop up in any interaction. And like, that's so me. Like, I I feel so much shame about about that. that guilt though? No. It's shame. It's like they're going to be mad at me. And then the more I think they're going to be mad at me, the less I want to respond. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, probably 50% of you guys, because I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to think we have a hundred million listeners out there <laughs> are waiting for a response for me in text. And I'm so sorry. But um, um, I'm also sorry. I yeah. just wanted to say that. This is why we're friends. We just don't talk to each other. <laughs> but you guys do text me back. Well, because we you've know. the uh, the need. Have I expressed it or have you just decided that's a thing Catherine appreciates, so I'm going to do it? I feel like that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate responses. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the chances that we're probably going to see you in person, like, the next day are pretty high, so we know we need to get on it. <laughs> I don't come for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's uh, never inten- intentional to not 
Well, no, I take that back. Sometimes I intentionally do not reply. Okay. And what I mean by that, <laughs> I don't know why I'm hijacking this right now. I'm so sorry. No, please, please. But I, I do feel shame, but sometimes I'm just so exhausted. Right. Mm. And I need to take a moment and I'll have yeah. to like set aside time to catch, catch up on text messages. And then, you know, sometimes by the time I'm like ready to catch up, I've forgotten. Or then it gets to the point where too many days have passed mm-hmm. to respond to that person because now it's been weeks, if not yeah. months. Mm-hmm. And it's like, eesh, shame. Friendship's over. Yep. So yeah. No, it referenced that <laughs> in the Instagram. <laughs> Y'all, this was like the neat mom account, which like if you're my dad, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Because <laughs> he follows he follows neat mom. Oh, I follow them. Um, they're so funny. Because you told me to. That's why. They're so funny. Yeah. Um, but but the person, whoever it was, referenced that, that it takes so much emotional energy to respond to text messages. And I'm in that category. And I would venture to guess that there's a lot of shame going into like feeding the amount of emotional energy that takes Mm. with some of the text messages. Mm -hmm. Anyways, also at work, I would say I probably feel some shame there because in a lot of my positions, I've been like a mediator between people, Mm. if you will. Um, And if one person's not doing what they're supposed to do, I kind of take that as something that I've personally Mm. done and feel responsible for it. That is good. Yeah, work in general. Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. relate to that. I do need to go back to something you said, though. You're talking about texting and like the emotional energy. Have you guys used like the voice memos or like Marco Polo? And do you feel like that is like less (laughs) emotional energy? No, like I'm genuinely curious. No, I know. I'm not. Because I have thoughts on it. She's trying to get get us to respond to her text (laughs) quicker. (laughs) No. So, okay. So you just asked, do we feel like it's a better like platform to yeah, use or like, like less still, emotional energy yeah. obviously if it's like hey yeah. are, are you coming tomorrow yes yeah. like that wasn't yeah. emotionally exhausting i hope not yeah. right right um olivia had to really think about it yeah. so maybe it was but <laughs> so i laughed because shout out to a couple of um girls on marco polo that i talked to um <laughs> you know who you are i like encouraged this entire group to get back on marco polo because we hadn't like talked to each other a while in a while and then i like sent the one message and then I like went dark I like was gone again oh and they're like God. what the heck Courtney you revived this group and then you did and then you left and it wasn't it was unintentional but it's like I am like oh man okay I have to create such a space and time to be intentional and mm. really listen to their Marco Polos and then because if I listen to it now and I can't respond I'm gonna forget everything they said in their video <laughs> and then I'm gonna talk mm. about something random like cereal you know and so I don't even need cereal. yeah I was like you don't eat cereal. I know it's weird. um but oh. <laughs> I think like um I do like Marco Polo though I get to see your face and I love expressions and seeing people in person if possible so that is a preference and then the voice memos would probably be my first go-to actually yeah that was a great description. I actually had no idea what Marco Polo was. And now through context clues, oh my gosh. I funny. now know. Um, I was like, oh, like the, you know, ancient, like, explorer. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, the pool game. I don't think the pool the game pool is game. ancient. <laughs> They've been playing it for centuries. Oh, my gosh. In the oceans. <laughs> That's how they like got back home or back to the islands. Oh, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Before GPS. Oh my gosh, y'all. Oh man. Oh gosh. I don't even have a great answer for what you said, Catherine. Okay. I was just processing, but um, I do love the written word because then I can... the word of God. <laughs> Meaning the written word of God. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, 
word meaning a text? <laughs> yes. Maybe think of the Bible. Because I was like, written word is not a voice memo. <laughs> like, I'm so glad you love the written word of God. <laughs> what? what in the world? I meant the what written that? word, the text message. Okay, well, let's just stick with text message. Oh, gosh. Um, wow. Okay, I really don't even off. know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all, this is this is where we're at with shame. Um, we can't stop laughing. I like that I can see it. <laughs> this is such an anticlimactic like, answer. Okay. Yeah, that I can just read it and people don't have to hear your voice. Other people's voices. Uh, okay, okay. Gotcha. Well, yeah. I'm just curious. I've been using the voice app and Marco Polo more because it's like kind of more hands-free and on the go. And if I'm like mm. wanting to like kind of catch up with someone or like respond to something that's a little bit longer. I like that method better than typing. Or I type on my mm. iPad or my computer because it's faster. Okay. Texting. I do uh, Hey Siri because yeah. then I can at oh, least yeah. say. Do you use Siri? Yeah. yeah, and Siri spells my yeah. name wrong. Yeah, so. I know. <laughs> I know. Anyway. So my, I guess, experience with shame and kind of we're talking about like the areas of our life that we feel the most shame. I struggle with that question because like I mentioned earlier, like I just don't feel like I experience shame a whole lot. And I don't really know why that is, or maybe like you were talking, Courtney, about relationships. And mm-hmm. like, if that were to happen to me, if I thought I was impregnating my friend's dog, like <laughs> I would just have to like go and talk to them immediately, have a conversation. Like it might be hard. It might be stressful. And then like we move forward and then I like, I wouldn't carry it with me. I think mm-hmm. I just am like so hyper aware of like when I carry stuff with me like that, it just is not good. And yeah. I've just learned that for me, I need to get it out. It's like when we talked about conflict yeah. in our conflict episode. So I think maybe like that's a piece of it. Hmm. And then also like, it's interesting. we all care what people think. Like anyone who's like, oh, I don't care what people think. I think you're lying because I think there's <laughs> always a piece that cares, but I just think I don't let that like haunt me if you will. And I mm-hmm. don't take it internally most frequently. Sometimes I do, but I don't take it internally of like, man, like this is what's wrong with me because of what other people are saying, if that makes sense. Right. And I feel like that's a piece of shame that women particularly deal with is like other mm-hmm. people's words. Mm-hmm. So I just, I struggle with this mm-hmm. question. I don't really have a great answer other than maybe I'm still learning what shame looks like in my life and mm-hmm. the areas where it affects me. And also I do feel like I've done some work to know this is like a trigger or like a breaking point for me and I don't let myself get there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I also think like I've seen you just kind of like you do address things right away. Yeah. Like you said, <laughs> mm-hmm. you will, like you won't let it build up and, and sit there. And Catherine, I feel like I've seen you have a clear understanding of kind of who you are and and you won't take on other things that mm-hmm. aren't true. And so mm-hmm. I've I've heard that in many conversations <laughs> with you. I've seen mm-hmm. that in action. I've witnessed that. I can mm-hmm. attest to it. And so I feel like, you know, a lot of times shame can be related and into that and taking Mm -hmm. it on and you're not like, oh, this is who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. This is now a part of my character. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's not true for you. Yeah. 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 Catherine's a great friend to have if you're wanting to overcome shame (laughs) because you do. I mean, you, you get to see first off that in action, like, you know, Courtney and I have shared, we're more avoiders when it comes to conflict or anything (laughs) unpleasant. (laughs) (laughs) All things, even Abort. a simple text message RSVP, we avoid. Um, 
and you don't do that. We talked about how you lean in. So like when you were talking, I was thinking back to the conflict episode, like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that makes sense mm-hmm. because we avoid and in that avoidance <laughs> is where the shame tends to fester. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. Yeah. And I just feel like I don't sit with my thoughts as much, like not in a bad way. Like I do meditate and like take time with the Lord and like in that reflection, but I'm not one to like sit and think about like a conversation or something that someone said and let her, let it fester with me. And mm-hmm. I think part of that is like, if I have a problem with it, I'm going to address it with that person. And then other parts is like, yeah, that's not true about me. And like that person doesn't know me. So like, it's, it's not going to affect me. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just true. Like I you need to hang out even more. Yeah, I don't know. That's me, but no, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> It's great. I wish I had more of it. So. Anyway, well, should we give the people what they want? Oh my gosh. I tell me it. what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> I'll tell them what you want. Some recommendations. Let's go. All right. Who wants to kick us off? Um, I can kick us okay. off. So, my recommendation we've actually already referenced her uh, in this podcast episode, which is appropriate because she talks about shame. She's a shame researcher. She's a shamer. A shame. <laughs> Often confused. A shamist. With uh, oh, um, Brene Brown. Love, love her. The love queen. Brene. Yeah. She's yeah. Awesome. She has – so after her TED Talk on vulnerability went viral, mm-hmm. that was kind of like her first mm-hmm. – big uh, reveal to the world, I guess, if you will, the masses. Mm -hmm. Um, She did this talk, which was all about how much shame she felt after that first TED Talk went viral. Um, And it's just such a good – such a good talk and it kind of hits on a lot of different aspects of shame. But I really liked how she talked a lot about how shame holds us back because I relate to that. Like I'm already – I'll kind of pre-shame myself. And think about, you know, if I fail at this, like, what will this mean? If people think this about me, what does that mean about me? And yeah, it was it was a really good talk. And she has so much content mm-hmm. on shame and vulnerability and how the two intersect. So mm-hmm. Brene Brown, Love TED Talk, we'll link it in the show notes. So good. So my recommendation comes from the article that I referenced at the beginning of the show And it had some tips for building shame resilience. And I just thought these four tips were really good. So the first one is recognizing shame. So knowing what it is, like we talked about, how it manifests in our personal minds and bodies Mm. when we're experiencing it. Then the second one is acknowledging our vulnerabilities. So being aware of what's likely to trigger shame and really cultivating acceptance that each of us is both flawed and worthy of love and belonging. And then the third one is telling our stories. And I liked this a lot. It said the antidote to shame is empathy. So reaching out to someone you trust, whether that's a partner, a friend, therapist, yada, yada, will diffuse that shame and build resilience through connection. And then the fourth one is becoming critical of unrealistic expectations that drive shame. So examining these expectations when they arise and our thoughts and becoming aware when we're unconsciously holding on to them. So I think that's enough said. I don't really need to add anything to that, but we'll link the article in the show notes. It's actually really good. I like that you mentioned the empathy mm. portion. So my recommendation is to oftentimes when you're feeling great shame is to take whatever that is and go to trusted friends mm. and people in your life and mm. community and sit down with them and think through that, list that out, talk Mm -hmm. with them. Hey, 
is this true of me? Obviously, they're not going to be like, yeah, you're a bad person. Maybe they will. I don't know. You might need to hear it. Let's be real. You You might need to hear it. (laughs) Have a little come to Jesus moment with your people right there. But truthfully, I think a lot of times, you know, I'm trying to combat these things, these shameful thoughts or ideas by myself Mm. when similar to what your article just said, Mm -hmm. Catherine, you know, like do that in community and trust me, the people who love you and are for you are willing to step into Mm -hmm. that with you and and to do that. And so, yeah, you guys, thank you again for Mm -hmm. just listening Mm -hmm. and being here with us as we dove into a heavier topic Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. You know, shame is not something that's light and easy, but we hope that you guys have been encouraged Mm -hmm. through listening. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest content. Don't forget to rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening from. And we'd love to hear from you. So reach out to let us know what content you want to hear in the future. This podcast is edited by Catherine Compo. Show notes are written by Olivia DeHart. And the podcast is produced by Courtney Tilford, Catherine Compo, and Olivia DeHart.